You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Are you ready to talk Padres baseball? We've got you covered. Now is the right time to bring back Padres Social Hour as we await the start of the regular season. Friar Faithful, get ready to sit back, relax, and join the conversation. Now, coming to you from everyone's homes around San Diego and beyond, it's Padres Social Hour with your host, Jesse Agler. And good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Padres Social Hour and a very good Monday to you. Hope it was an all right weekend. Hope it has been an okay day today. Hope you are healthy and continuing to take care of yourselves and your families. We know what a challenging time this is in a normal world, of course. Uh, we'd uh, be gathering at Petco Park right about now to get ready for the second series of the season. In my mind, at least, in my imagination, the Padres just swept a four-game series from the Colorado Rockies. Sorry, buddy. Uh, to open up the regular year, and then away we go against uh, Atlanta here tonight. But, of course, that is not the reality, so we're doing what we can to try and fill the void just a little bit and to help us do that tonight. Very happy uh, to welcome in one of uh, our all-time favorites, the 1976 National League Cy Young Award winner, your lefty and mine, Mr. Randy Jones, number 35. Hi, RJ. Hi, Jesse. How was the weekend, amigo? Uh, it was uh, very much like the week, I got to tell you. I mean, it felt... Uh, it felt yeah, I, I'm getting a little frustrated because, I, you know, my calendar, you know, the, the games keep popping up. I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, then I keep moving on and, uh, you know, I'm staying busy, though. I just keep it an open mind, but I have a feeling that after this week, I'm going to start losing my patience. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be one of these things that gets uh, more and more difficult as time goes on. Not that we're going to have anything to do other than deal with it, but uh, you're right. I get the uh, the 15 minutes before the first pitch, my my, thing, <laughs> and boy, is that terrible! I got <laughs> Oh, I hear you. Yeah, there's no doubt. But uh, you know, hey, we're just doing what we have to do. We'll get through this, and then uh, I'm excited about starting the season whenever we can, and hey, get everybody going. I know everybody is excited about the you know getting it going, but. Uh, you know, hopefully we're getting a handle on this and, uh, you know, just God willing that we can get through this and not uh, not have that many deaths and, and, and get a cure and, and uh, get on with our lives. That's it. That is uh, certainly the goal of everybody and some sort of return to normalcy, although it might very well be a, a different kind of normalcy. Do we have a doggy issue? I, I got a dog issue here. He's bugging me. Hey, get up here. What? You want to say hi? There you go. Yeah. You know what? I see RJ's hiding. RJ. Uh, RJ, see uh, what? Come here. What? I got both of them here driving me nuts. I might have to go back in the house, man. I don't know. <laughs> well, I was going to say, like you were, you were in the, you were in the study the other day, or was it the conservatory? No, I was in the, uh, in the office, and uh, now I moved it outside, a little more open air. You know, just uh, feels good to be out and about like this. I like it. Let, let me ask you as a long I, you know, I have, a, I have you, a nice, nice toy, Jess. You, you want to go fetch it or? I'm good. Thank you. Know. You. Hey, you know, <laughs> all right, get out of here. Yeah. As a, as a longtime Poway resident, do you consider that East County? North County. North County. Okay. That's a big North, debate yeah, on Twitter. I'm well, not sure you're aware. North County inland. You know, it's always been inland. I just, I just love the, I love the heat and the kind of a high desert atmosphere here in Poway, South Escondido, all this area. There's still a lot of country back out in here, and it's uh, uh, I I wouldn't trade you know my last forty years out here. I've absolutely loved it, and my kids are raised out here, and it's been a, been a lot of fun. 
Beautiful, beautiful. Um, so everybody kind of understands if you haven't been with us before what we do, we just sort of chat for as long as we want. We have uh, some guests uh, each and every day. Uh, we also answer some of your questions on the air. You can comment as you guys see on the different platforms, whether you're watching on YouTube or on Facebook or on Twitter slash Periscope. And then towards the end of the show, we'll uh, kind of directly do some Q&A. So keep those coming, fire them away, and uh, we'll do what we can. Hello to everybody, James yeah. uh, and everybody else. And, hey, uh, yeah, James, and you know, and I see the pumpkin still behind you, Jesse. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm sticking with it. I saw somebody, you know, commented that it's like a, a World Series feel. I like that. I'm going with it. You know, I'm, I'm pretending that this is like a World Series pregame show because we're all losing our marbles, like you said. Well, yeah, uh, I was going to say the pumpkin might show up on the air or something. I don't know. It might yeah. be at the ballpark. I don't know. It's, it's just sort of uh, become uh, the the thing that it is. So. Any hoodles, that's uh, the show. Uh, Ted Leitner uh, and Craig Stammen were the two guys we taped some conversations with earlier today. Apologies, though. Technical difficulties on this guy's end. Uh, the the Teddy interview didn't didn't work out. It was it, we had I had audio issues. So uh, we'll save Teddy for another day. We'll get him back on. So we promoted that Ted was going to be on today. We promised that the uncle would be joining us. Uh, but my bad, not today. We'll get him on though sooner rather than later. I promise. Uh, we will though speak with Craig Stammen uh, a little bit uh, later on in the show. And and always a great guy to catch up to. Do you know Randy? that last year Craig Stammen appeared in more high leverage situations than any reliever in baseball. Yes, I did. I was very aware of that. And I, I think that showed the, the wear and tear showed on those high leverage early in the season. I mean, uh, you talk about a guy that was answer the call every time that he was asked to do it. Andy green, every time uh, he was warming up and getting ready to come in the game. And, and I know there's quite a few times he'll never say it, but, I know he was pretty much out of gas when he got in there, and it's it's tough to do. But you know, I, I commend him for you know being the workhorse that he was, and and that's the kind of leadership you need out in that bullpen. We got some great young arms, there's no doubt, but it's that veteran leadership, like having Stamen out there, that is going to make all the difference in the world for this bullpen. All, all those relievers, too, by the way, they are just effusive in their praise of Craig, kind of as a, a leader of that group and a guy to to learn how to follow. Craig Stamen made his major league debut in 2009. That means when this thing finally gets going here in 2020, it'll be the third different decade in which he is uh, thrown on a major league mound. It's a little bit of like a technicality kind of uh, factoid, but nonetheless, the 2000s, the 2010s, and uh, hopefully soon the 2020s. That's a pretty good accomplishment. Well, it's a model of consistency to him and to watch him and uh, even spring training watching him and it's how his his mechanics have not changed over the the years that he's been here with the Padres and watching him throw his bullpens and and throw in his spring training games and, um, you know, he knows how to prepare himself and he duplicates well and that's, that's why he's been so consistent and so effective. Yeah. Well, yesterday, of course, would have been military opening day. Craig has been very involved with the military community here in San Diego, even previously when he pitched for the Nationals uh, in the Washington, D.C. area as well. So we'll talk to him about all of that. Padres, of course, uh, lead the world when it comes to uh, supporting the military from a sports perspective. They just do such a phenomenal job. I know, Randy, you're involved in that as well. We'll talk about that. But even aside from that, with everything going on, the Padres have kind of continued to be out in the community. We mentioned this late last week on the show as well. Uh, just trying to, you know, take care of as many people as possible while being safe and, and everything like that. It's, it's really kind of one of those neat things to see the Padres 
kind of, uh, you know, continuing to take their place as a pillar in this community. You look at uh, UC San Diego Health, uh, what would have been opening day, Padres and Phil's Barbecue brought lunch to the staff. Uh, they did uh, similar things around town. You got Pizza Port pitching in uh, with the San Diego Police Department and the Padres. Veterans Village of San Diego, a big thank you to the Padres. 258 lunches for veterans. And uh, opening day, as we mentioned, the Blood Bank also got uh, food from uh, the Padres and Phil's Barbecue. So really neat to kind of see the, the team, Randy, continue to do what they can to be around town because it's obviously a tough thing to do right now. Yeah, it really is. And, it, and it, I think it's awesome that the Padres get involved like that. And everybody's, you know, putting in countless hours trying to get through this. And it's great to see the Padres continue to support all our local charities and in, in the right places. And, and, and just let these people remind a lot of people that are really working their butts off that it, it is appreciated. It does not it doesn't go unrecognized. And that's no great the Padres are doing that. Yeah, no doubt. All right, so more on the military stuff with Craig Stammen a little bit later. He uh, tells a phenomenal story. I'll give you a teaser without a spoiler uh, about some time he spent in Afghanistan in 2012 and everything he was able to do on that trip. It was uh, pretty remarkable stuff. So that's coming up in a bit with uh, with Craig. As we were doing the show on Thursday, news started to break that uh, the, the sort of outline of a deal between Major League Baseball and the Players Association had been reached uh, when it came to sort of the structure of this season and some of the technicalities of it, whenever that may be. Uh, that got finalized and formalized and approved uh, all the way on Friday. And we kind of learned a lot of the details over the course of the weekend. So let's go over some of this stuff. I mean, obviously the main question that everybody has is when will the season begin or how many games will the season be? Those questions are impossible to answer still, but it was really good to see that baseball and the players association were able to get enough on the same page to kind of say, all right, let's figure out the business aspects of all of this so that, you know, when we are ready to go, we don't have to worry about any of that stuff. So like service time that was handled. And we talked about this on Thursday, guys will receive in 2020. If there is no season in a worst case scenario, players will receive the same service time in 2020 that they got in 2019. That was really the main thing that the players wanted on their end, their adjustments to the draft based of course, upon a, a totally different world in terms of amateur baseball, right? Right now, it could be shortened to as few as five rounds, could also go up to as many as 40. They agreed to sort of work together on that. In a shortened season situation, player salaries would be prorated. They also agreed upon the possibility of uh, an expanded postseason, including, yes, as has been discussed, the, the possibility of neutral site games in warmer weather climates. I guess the one thing we know for sure then, Randy, is whatever this 2020 season looks like, if they can get it going, it could be very, very different than anything we've ever seen before in baseball. Well, anytime you're going to have the abbreviated season, it you know it, it gets like that. I remember I'm going to say 1982 was the was that the strike season? 81, yeah, yeah, 81. And I know that we were out for like 56 days, whatever that number was, and trying to get back and finish up the second half. You know, it was a little bit chaotic, but I I just remember everybody was just tickled to death to have baseball back you know, for the remaining part of the season in the second half. And, and I think this, even the same thing here, more importantly, is, is to get baseball back and get some normalcy back to life. But, you know, hey, we can get a little creative and, and make it a little more competitive. Advantages, disadvantages, we can get into that, you know, once we get a firm date, know, knowing when we're going to actually have baseball again. Um, I assume they're probably still talking about maybe a, a, a month or a four-week spring training before they would start the season. Was that even mentioned? 
Yeah, they would still need, you know, some kind of run up. I don't think they necessarily put a time on it, but there was a recognition, you know, of the reality, particularly for the pitchers, you know, they would need at least a couple of weeks to, to get their arms going again. Yeah, and it's, it's adjusting the schedule. Uh, that's got to be whoever does the schedule. God bless them because that's going to be a nightmare. But you know, hey, you got to do what you can do and be as fair as you can about it. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, the other thing there, I mean, I'm sure there there are people who read that over the weekend or are hearing us talk about it now, and they're going, "Well, that's all well and good to have some kind of plan, but what about the health, you know, aspect of all of this?" And obviously, that is not only significant but top of mind. Um, and basically, uh, the league and the players agreed uh, that the season would not begin until a there are no bans on mass gatherings that limit the ability to play in front of fans. There are no travel restrictions and the medical experts determine games will not pose a risk to health of teams and fans. Uh, they did say, you know, we might have some caveats there, but generally the point being that, you know, they're not going to put everybody at risk from a health standpoint. So again, we're all sort of now as baseball people having to sit back, wait, and, you know, see what happens on the uh, the medical front and, and the science front as uh, the people who are far smarter than any of us uh, try and figure out a way to uh, to not only flatten the curve, but squash it as much as we possibly can. A lot of well, unknowns, I guess. Yeah, a lot of unknowns, but, you know, also I, I really do think the more I thought about it after our last show, Jesse, and, and you, you talk about the, the shortened season and, it is going to change it, you know, a lot of venue. The, the total number of innings that a pitcher can pitch, uh, workload, it is it, significantly going to change that. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry about maybe starting pitchers going, you know, that much deeper into games. You can utilize the bullpen maybe a little bit more early. Uh, sure, you still want your guys, you know, your starters to go out there and give you at least seven solid innings if they can, but you can work your way there now. Uh, when you all of a sudden, if you're going to – you know, shave uh, 60 games off the, you know, the schedule. I mean, that, that's significant and a big, big difference, you know, on appearances from your, you know, your bullpen and, you know, also your starters. I mean, that's going to, that's going to shave easily 10, at least 10 starts, if not a dozen starts, you know, off their rotation. So that's going to make a significant difference in how that you use pitching. Yeah, it's going to be totally different. You're going to have to get fully creative, as they did, by the way, in 1981, not necessarily in terms of exactly uh, pitches were used, but you, got, you played a split season. You had a first-half champion, a second-half champion to qualify for the playoffs. So there is like you know some precedent in terms of uh, thinking way outside of the box, and you have to imagine that if there is a 2020 season in whatever form, it, it could very well be something that is, like I said earlier, so, like we've never seen before. It will be outside of the box. You can almost guarantee that at this point, I think. Yeah, and, and that's fine. As long as it's baseball, Jesse, I think a lot of people will be very happy. Yeah, I don't know. I, I've got a million ideas bouncing around my head. I don't know if <laughs> the time to, to be kicking those around. But, you know, if you are limited in time or geography or anything like that, as they've suggested, there's uh, there's plenty to do. I've uh, I've also just kind of in the last you know few days been thinking a lot about Jace Tingler. Uh, you know, he's getting ready for, or he was getting ready, I guess, uh, for his first season as a big league manager. And now you're thrown this curveball. I mean, this is odd for anybody, but when you're entering that job for the first time, you're having spring training cut off. You're not knowing when you're starting the season. It's got to be really pretty crazy. So we'll, we'll try and catch up with Jace uh, at some point in the near future, certainly. But Marley Rivera of ESPN.com had a really fascinating story today where she talked to a bunch of different managers around baseball and asked them different questions about kind of what they're doing now and how they're uh, sort of going about their business. Um, I'll read one answer that, that Jace gave her because he's one of the guys she talked to just in terms of like, how are you dealing, you know, with talking to the players right now? And he said, a lot of phone calls, things like that. The main thing is being able to have our players in contact with our medical staff, just in case somebody's not feeling well or a family member or somebody that they're living with isn't feeling well. So we can be up to speed and make sure from the health standpoint that they're being attended to and taken care of. 
the crazy thing about that answer, I guess, when you think about it is like, it's not necessarily anything to do with baseball. I mean, he's just checking in on guys to see if they're okay. And like, that's where we are right now. That's a pretty good, uh, you know, I think illustration of this isn't really about baseball yet. We hope it is at, at some point, but right now Jace is out there just trying to check in with everybody as a, as a human being and a coworker as, as much as anything else, but this has got to be very weird for him, huh? Oh, I mean, you you think about it, you know, somebody trying to tell him something. Here you are in your rookie season, you know, manager, and you've worked your tail off getting trying to get ready. And this this happens. But, you know, that's what he has to do. He's just got to make sure that, you know, the whole goal is to have 26 healthy guys. Or if, if not 40, 40, the whole 40-man roster, and keep them healthy. And, and the, the domino effect, I mean, they've all went home and, and the most important thing is to keep everybody healthy, not, you know, lose people to quarantine or, or getting ill. And um, that's got to be the priority. I mean, if the guys want to, you know, play catch, keep their arms, you know, I'm sure a lot of them are running and, and, and continue to do that. There's no doubt in my mind that almost every one of them are, but, you know, they're keeping their distance and doing it the right way. And, you know, I know even down at Petco Park, a lot of the guys are saying they're guys, three guys that come out at a time and, they can work out, and, and uh, I, I think that's great if they can do that. And, um, you know, no doubt that that'll make a difference once you get back to playing baseball. Yeah, we'll talk to Craig Stammen about that as well coming up in a little bit, just what he's doing from a baseball standpoint at the moment to try and uh, ready himself for the season whenever it comes. That's got to be weird, particularly for pitchers. I know how routine, you know, oriented you guys are. Uh, yeah. Starters or relievers, I mean, to not know when you're going to pitch again in a competitive environment, that's that's a curveball, pun intended. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's not easy either. I mean, you've been gearing up, gearing up, and now all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, it's kind of like that, you know, when you have the rain out. I used to hate that. Can you get all geared up? You get the adrenaline flying. The yeah, game's called. You got to pitch tomorrow. Great. You got to start all over again. You know, and this is a little bit of the same thing where you're going to have to, you know, amp yourself up and you get prepared for the season, not only physically, but mentally. Is There's a lot more discipline than a lot of people think. Yeah. Oh, no question. No question. Uh, one of the other cool things that came out of that story from uh, Marley Rivera of ESPN.com was, uh, you know, the, these managers like us or like me, at least, and, and I'm guessing like you too, Randy, and like a lot of fans, they've been watching all these old games that have been replaying on TV uh, for the last <laughs> week or so. So, you know, like Bud, Bud Black's talking about how, oh, I texted Joe Madden to see if he's watching, you know, the, the 79 World Series game between mm-hmm. the Pirates and the Orioles. And yeah, and they're going back and forth on strategy, you know, from a game that took place 40 something years ago. It has been fun for me to watch a lot of these old games. It's remarkable. Yeah, well, there's it's still you know, we got plenty of baseball history out there, and even even on Facebook or whatever, maybe on Twitter, and some of the, the stories and little highlights that pop up, they, they're very very entertaining, and they're just they're just so much history, and and you think back, and um, you know, I I have enjoyed you know quite a bit of that, but I watched Sandlot the other night too, Jesse. It'd be good time for baseball movies, also. Very oh, yeah, good. Oh yeah, I loved it, man. That was great. It's a good movie. Uh, killing me, Smalls. Killing me. Um, when you think about the the '70s and the '80s, let's say when when you pitched, um, or when you watch these old games, what strikes you most in terms of the difference between then and now? Aside from the astroturf, that is. Well, I, mean, you just, I just think overall, it just the the thought process, the way the game was structured is us as pitchers going, you know, going deep into games, nine innings, and uh, the strike zone was a little bit wider. But I, I think, yeah, it, it was a little bit wider and maybe down and, and, and uh, you know, called more lower strikes. And and I think what the idea was, though, is I watched the pitchers is, you know, how consistently we seemed like we just, we stayed right in those areas. Did a pretty good job doing that. 
And I thought, you know, hitters, you know, once again, the one thing it always proves is they, you know, you make a mistake, you pay. I don't care if it was the 70s, 80s, or if it's 2020, Jesse. You make a mistake, somebody's going to hit it hard and far. You know, and that's the one consistent thing that I've seen the last 40 years. You make yeah, a mistake, no. it's going to go a long way. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Um, well, you mentioned the umpires in the strike zone. Let me ask you, as someone who pitched then, did you get the sense that umpires would sort of adjust the zone based upon the count and the circumstance with some regularity? Because watching a lot of these games, and I'm talking like important postseason games as well, you know, it seems like, you know, a guy goes 2-0, and all of a sudden the strike zone looked like it was about this big and he's getting a call. Almost like the umpire was helping to move the game along a little bit. Well, you know, I, I not not in the old days per se. I mean, three and oh, three and oh, three and oh had to be a pretty ugly pitch to not get it called a strike. Okay? okay, I mean, it really had to be pretty obvious. But you know, overall, I just I just think the the strike one, strike zone was bigger, and I I, I think we as pitchers took uh, took good advantage of that on the most part. You know, and I think hitters adapted really well, and with their you know their patience and their discipline. Um, you know, but you know, overall, the, you just you, everything was just very, very competitive. You know, then and it and it sure it is now. But you know, it's um, I just don't remember all the hugging before the game. You know, with the other team, and uh, I don't quite remember all that fun stuff. No, yeah. I know that's that's definitely a thing. It also had a quite a different pace to it then, as uh, Melody alludes to. You in particular, famous <laughs> uh, with, with yeah. Jim Cott. Umpires like that when you're only out there 90 minutes. You know, that's pretty good stuff. They're going, hey, yay, just swing the bat. Yeah, it's a great idea. <laughs> uh, watching the games. I mean, that's that's one of the things that really did stand out to me, though. It, it seemed like, you know, the, the umpires were almost forcing the action. And maybe it was just a couple of games that I was paying close attention to. But, you know, like and, and that led to contact. I mean, you know, batters were yes. like, all right. I'm not going to sit around and wait for the perfect pitch. I just got to put something in play because he might ring me up on something that's four inches outside. No, that's exactly, you know, you know, like, uh, you know, when I beat the Pirates and threw 68 pitches, an hour and 33 minute game, you know, I mean, really 68 pitches. I mean, you talk about swinging the bat because, you know, well, hey, the, the first pitch is going to look just like the third or fourth one. So, yeah, you might as well get up there and start swinging. And, and, and I think that's a great point. I think I mean, that's why the, the games were a little bit quicker. And uh, there was fewer strikeouts, to be honest with you, because the guys got up there and had to make contact and swing back. And they swing earlier in the count. You know, where today it's a little bit more like pitch count. Let's get the starting pitcher to go deeper into the game on his pitch count. We'll get him out of there by the fifth or sixth inning. And that is part of the thought process, I think, today. But uh, in the old days, that, that wasn't even because, number one, we didn't have a pitch count. and We didn't care if it was 150. We, You know, starting pitchers got to try to go as deep as he could. Yeah, it's a totally different thing, obviously. I'm always trying to think forward, right? And like, what's going to happen next? So let's imagine for a moment, you get to the situation where you have automated strike zones and every call is perfect or near perfect, <laughs> almost every call. How does that impact, you know, the way guys uh, pitch and therefore take their approach to the plate? I don't necessarily have the answer to it right now, but watching these games from 20, 30, 40 years ago, it is just so different, which we knew, but seeing it again now, it was very striking to me. It really was. Yeah, no doubt. You know, and you you look you look at this right now, and, and if you get to the electronic strike zone, I think it's going to be interesting. I don't know how that's going to turn out. I mean, you're going to find out the consistencies and inconsistencies. I think maybe of your umpires, I would assume, um, but I think it's going to be interesting. If to you know, I think every umpire has tendencies, Jesse. Sure. Their personality is going to show up sooner or later. 
And I know in the old days, that's exactly what it was. I knew all of our umpires in the National League, and I knew what their tendencies were, what they liked, what they didn't like. You know, and you kind of knew that going into the game, the guy behind the plate. So and you you could adjust and you could adapt. Uh, but today, you know, I think it's a little bit harder a lot of times. And it's it's and you get you get to the point where, you know, it's not a, not no human error or a decision you know, at all except for a swing. Um, it's, it's, it's going to be a little bit different for pitchers and it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. I would think, I think it'd be, I think it's going to be advantage pitcher, to be honest with you. I mean, that's just me personally watching the game and, and watching guys and he's look like they're painting the, the black, I'm well, not the black anymore. Cause it's not on the plate anymore, but I mean, they're on every, both edges and throwing some pretty quality, you know, call strikes yeah. and they're not getting the calls. And then I think electronically, I think I think a lot of these are they're going to ring some guys up on on some surprise pitches. I think. Well, then you'd be very happy. I know that. Uh, of course. I know that. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll get some Q and A going on uh, in a little bit. So continue to send those in. Trying to keep track of them best we can here. And uh, in just a moment, Craig Stammen will hear from the uh, Padre reliever. Before that, though, speaking of old games, as we are, although not that old, uh, Fox Sports San Diego again tonight, replaying a game from last season. Uh, it was a doozy. Uh, Father's Day in Denver. Uh, last week, we talked a lot about the crazy Friday night game at Coors Field in that very same series. This was two days later, and this game was almost as insane as the Friday game. It included, by the way, uh, a flood down the right field line, um, and this one had another you know, bonkers ninth inning comeback. Uh, it had, I believe, three home runs uh, from Hunter Renfro. I mean, it just everything went insane in this game. Greg Garcia... I think I wish I had my book in front of me. I forgot to grab it. I think he had two triples in this game or two triples in this series. He had never had two triples in a season in his entire career before that weekend. So that's coming up uh, tonight at seven on Fox Sports San Diego. Say what you want about Denver baseball, but uh, rarely boring, RJ. <laughs> never, never a dull moment. All of us good for is that make ERAs go straight up. Yes. Uh, elevated ERA is like elevated mountains. All right, let's get to uh, Craig Stammen after that. Your questions, so continue to send those in. Had an opportunity to chat with the Padre right-hander earlier today about his involvement with the military community and, of course, baseball. Uh, you and your family, everybody all right? Yeah, we're doing good. A lot of family time. Uh, my wife's loving this time that I get to spend with the kids and help her take care of them. Uh, so we're trying to find the positives in, you know, this time of isolation and time of quarantine and social distancing. Uh, we're enjoying it, uh, enjoying some family time. And really, uh, you know, it's fun for me to see my kids grow up a little bit more often than what it is during the season. Uh, I guess you made your major league debut back in 2009 with the Nationals. That's a lot of time in major league baseball, a lot of time in pro ball, a lot of time in your baseball career. I'm guessing that you've never really seen anything quite like this. Yeah, it's definitely different. Uh, it's different having the season canceled at the very beginning. Uh, you know, us being so close to being ready to, to start games and opening day and being excited about that and kind of building momentum through spring training. So, um, you know, I think it's something, you know, we can find the positive in it. Uh, it's good that everybody takes a step back and it makes you miss baseball a little bit more. It makes you turn into a 10-year-old boy wonders why the game got rained out and why we can't play, you know, with a 30 minute window to get the game in. So uh, it, it's definitely a challenge. Uh, but I think baseball has done this before with a few strikes. 
where they've missed the beginning of the season, had to start, uh, you know, a little later, maybe not as late as we're going to start, but uh, there's some protocols in place. And I think both MLB and the Players Union, you know, want to work together to get as many games in as possible. It's what the fans want. It's what the players want. It's what everybody wants. So we'll get that done. Yeah, in terms of getting ready for the season, I mean, what have you been able to do from a physical standpoint? How much are you throwing? Is there stuff you have to, you know, concern yourself with in terms of not doing too much or making sure you're doing enough? What's the throwing program look like these days? Yeah, I'm doing my best to stay in the same kind of shape I was right when spring training uh, ended, when it was canceled. So I'm trying to keep my arm built in that same, you know, be able to pitch one inning, maybe two innings kind of realm. You know, I'm not throwing off the mound every single day, but I'm trying to play catch every day, throw off the mound a couple times a week uh, and just keep my arm in shape. And, you know, for it being the first or last week of March and the first week of April, my arm feels pretty good right now. <laughs> Craig, I guess the conventional wisdom is sort of that, you know, uh, starters are going to have a little bit more of a challenge getting ready than relief pitchers. You've done both at the big league levels. That sound about right for you when baseball does come back? Yeah, just because, you know, it, they've got to wait five days to pitch and stay on that five, five day schedule. Um, so, you know, the guy goes through the, you know, pitches three times, that's 15 days right there. Um, you know, I think we're going to have to be okay starting the season with the starters, not being able to go as far as what they normally would on an opening day, uh, scenario. But I think there's going to be extra pitchers hopefully on the roster and it'll turn into a little bit more bullpen games, a few games the first couple of weeks of the season that end up being, you know, maybe like spring training games where there's a lot of relievers coming in the game. Starter goes three, four, maybe five innings. Um, and, you know, is building his arm strength as the season gets started. Yesterday, Sunday would have, of course, been military opening day at Petco Park, one of the most special days of the year. Military Sundays all season long in that first Sunday home game. So special as the Padres really put on a heck of a show. And, and Craig has been a guy who's been extremely involved with the military community, not just here in San Diego, but previously in Washington. Craig, how did that become something you became so passionate about? Yeah, it was something that, you know, fell into my lap when I, you know, came to the big leagues with the Washington Nationals. It was also a big military community there being in Washington, D.C. I was able to go on a USO tour uh, during the holiday season in 2012. Um, opened my eyes to a few things, being in Afghanistan during wartime, uh, being one of those. Uh, so, you know, I was put in those situations to be able to help someone, and the military happened to be my avenue. Uh, it had been a part of my life. I grew up, you know, with people that served in, in different uh, parts of the armed forces. My grandpa was in the Army, uh, named his tank after my grandma, Loretta, called it Sweet Loretta. So uh, interesting uh, you know, it started back then, but I had two roommates in college that also entered, uh, one in the army and one in the Marines that are still two of my best friends. Um, so it's around me, you know, no, no matter where I look and, you know, the two teams I played for a majority of the time in the major leagues have both been big military towns and have opened up avenues for me to be able to help that community out. Um, so it's been a blessing for me to be able to, you know, seamlessly transition to those two communities and, and just be able to put a smile on certain people's faces. It happens to be in the military and, you know, proud of that, proud of what I'm able to do uh, and thankful for those people being able to give me the opportunity to do that. I was going to ask you what maybe your best experience has been, but I, or has been, but I imagine it's, it's Afghanistan. I mean, that's, that's an incredible once in a lifetime kind of situation. Tell us a little bit more what you can about that trip in 2012. It was an experience of a lifetime. Uh, we traveled, um, 
seven days and we traveled uh, to Ireland. Uh, then we first landed in uh, Bahrain and we flew onto an aircraft carrier there. So that was that was pretty neat uh, <laughs> to be able to land on an aircraft carrier and then get shot off of one also. It was the coolest roller coaster ride I've ever been on. Uh, and then, you know, watch the jets land on the, on the, uh, on the ship and everything it was really neat. And then we went from Bahrain, we went to Bishkek, Kyrgyzstan, where it was negative 10 degrees and people were coming in and out of Afghanistan. And then we went to Afghanistan for a couple days and then back to Germany to visit some of the troops that have been, you know, wounded in action and were on their way back home. And, and we made it back to the United States and all the while we were flying on military you know, helicopters and planes and we're pl flying on the blue and white, you know, Air Force One lookalike plane uh, with the chairman. You know, there's a guy traveling around with a suitcase that has the phone number to the president, direct line, you know, that kind of stuff. So it was real, um, real life stuff going on. But, you know, a tremendous group of people I went with. Uh, General Martin Dempsey was the leader and brought along a good crew, Ross Detwell, our former teammate of mine. Uh, Matt Hendricks, a hockey player with the Washington Capitals at the time. Uh, Kelly Pick Pickler and Eliza Schlesinger were the kind of celebrities on the trip. And we bonded, had a great time. It was it's uh, something I pinched myself about, you know, just thinking of. And, and that's how I got involved in the in the charity that I uh, partnered with to do all the military stuff. United Hebrews League, uh, the founder of that foundation was on the trip also. And uh, we built a great connection over the years and be able to do some fun stuff in San Diego because of it. No, that is uh, that is absolutely stellar. And when I said experience of a lifetime, I don't think I, I imagined it would be everything that you just described. It was that that's wonderful. Thank you for everything you've done and, and continue to do for that community and, and for us baseball fans. Craig, great to see you. Continue to take care of yourself and your family, and uh, we hope to see you out there pitching again soon. All right, thanks, Jesse. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All right, take care, man. That was Craig Stammen earlier today. Randy, that story about Afghanistan and landing on an aircraft carrier and taking off from an aircraft carrier, that's uh, that's next-level stuff. Uh, very, very special experience for Craig. Yeah, an experience he'll never forget. And I know that I had an opportunity, you know, once I retired and I uh, was over in Europe and in Germany and in other of the bases and, and uh, even Tent City and Interlake, Turkey, you know, seeing our troops at different times and and uh, just trying to raise some spirits, sign some autographs, and just remind them that we, we hadn't forgotten them here at home. And, and it's pretty special moments that you, you never forget those. Yeah, Padres, of course, uh, with their military outreach program, it's it's best in class. Uh, Admiral J.J. Quinn now kind of the guy leading the charge uh, on the Padres side. Randy, I know you're very involved. There's a scholarship, uh, one of several uh, that, that you're directly involved with. I mean, it's, it's a heck of a thing that this organization is able to do. Yeah, they really have, and, and even from inception in '73, and and seeing the, you know the squadrons of the Marines and the Navy personnel that would be there for Sunday games, and and all the noise they'd make, it, it was pretty special then, and and it still is today when when they're there. It's it's, it's just it's just amazing what we've done, and like you say, I'm a little bit worried. You know, we always have our annual alumni game, you know, where I have I get the alumni guys and we go play a softball game against the Marines and. Uh, I don't know, that could be in a little bit of jeopardy right now, Jesse. No, one of many things uh, that is taking I, a back burner, obviously. I was actually going to let Don Orsillo play again, too. I Where was going to let Don play. Oh, after he hit that uh, booming fly ball that almost left in fantasy camp to deep right yeah, center field. Yeah. You mean uh, almost left the infield? That's yeah. what you're talking about. <laughs> <Poor> that, <Don. laughs> 
We're done. Uh, the other thing that Craig said, uh, which I really loved, and, and Teddy and I talked about this earlier too, and again, apologies for the technical issues with that interview. We'll have Uncle Ted on at some point soon. But this being away from it right now is like a good reminder that we love this game so much. And like, it gives you that extra appreciation. You know, when you don't have something is when you really realize how important it is to you. And, and Craig's feeling that certainly. And I know all, all of us are as well. No, no doubt. You, you know, and it just, uh, yeah, it's going to put a lot of smiles on a lot of people's faces, Jesse, when we get the game back. Yes, that's exactly right. All right, let's get into some questions uh, before we get out of here on a Monday. We'll be back tomorrow, of course, at 5.30, doing the show Monday through Thursday. And a big thank you both to Budweiser and Petco for helping to make that possible. Uh, let's see. Uh, good friend, Ryan Cohen, uh, wants to know, RJ, oh, this is good, man. Put you right on the spot. Who would you most want to see join you next on the list of retired numbers? Whoa. That's a great question. I haven't given that much thought. I'm not saying there's one that pops right up in my head, though. I okay. How about number gosh. 23? Can I throw that out there? Sure. Fernando Tatis Jr. That would be if we end up in a situation where his number is being retired. That is a very, very good situation. I think he's got to, yeah, going to pay his dues a little bit longer before I'm going to retire his number. That's I mean, I'm, I'm thinking maybe uh, I don't know. If Jake Peavy made quite an impact. I think Eric Shaw made quite an impact, you know, on on Padre baseball in the history of the game. Um, I mean, these kind of guys that just I don't know what what angle you want to take it from. I mean, what what uh, about Mark, Mark Grant? Would you retire Mark Grant's number? No, nah, Mark, uh, no, nah, he better go into the broadcast Hall of Fame. Okay, different. Yeah, right, I mean, he had a good fastball, but that's all I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, all right, Luigi checks in. What would happen with the baseball All Star game in L.A.? Uh, that's obviously in peril. You know, I mean, like everything else, uh, you know, I think MLB is kind of thrown out there. They would love to be able to start the season around that time in July. Uh, but, you know, the reality of that is, of course, that's a very difficult thing to predict at this point. It's definitely possible that there is no All-Star game this year. And uh, that would just be obviously bad luck for the Dodgers and, and Dodger Stadium. But it kind of is what it is, I guess, at that point. Well, you're right. sure. I mean, you know, hey, I mean, you, can't, you can't start the season June 1 and, hey, let's have a all clouds have a July, you know, twelfth or tenth, you know, All Star game. Not going to happen. Yeah, no Not question. Gonna happen. No question. So I think that would be a, a very uh, slight possibility uh, at all. All right, I asked for some questions earlier today on, on Instagram as well. I'm going to throw a couple of those out there. Uh, and speaking of LA and Dodger Stadium, Sunny Fono on, on the Instagram at Jesse Agler. Uh, favorite away stadium to see Padre fans, RJ. Um, favorite away stadium to see, obviously, well, other than Chavez Ravine, you know, yeah. you, you know, it's great to see him up, up the Dodgers and make a little more noise because of just the rivalry that we had there, you know, but I, it was, it was it like, we always had a lot of, a lot of fans in Atlanta too. When we go in and play in Atlanta, I'd see a lot of fans. And, and that was, that's any, anywhere we saw them when we saw, you know, brown and gold. And that's what everybody was pretty much wearing, of course, in my day. Uh, they were pretty obvious. They stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. You know? Even in the sea of red in St. Louis, you can always see a Padre fan, man. That's what it you want. Yeah, That's, I the like, I like it. That's the whole point of the brown and gold. Yeah. Um, exactly. I, I, LA, by the way, you know, I mean, I, I probably most people, you know, know this, but like there are always a lot of Padre fans at those games at Dodger Stadium. You know, no, I mean, yeah. there's, there's a lot more talk about what happens at Petco, you know, against the Dodgers. But when, when you get up there uh, for those games, it's, it's not very dissimilar from that. I mean, there's there's plenty of Padre fans there. Uh, Alex on Instagram asked, 
if we could recast the, this is right up your alley. If you could recast the original Star Wars with Padre Broadcasters, who is whom? Ooh, Lightner's Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> I know that one for sure. Um, Why is he Darth Vader? Oh, yeah. Actually, hey, I've, I've known him longer than everybody else, Jesse. You know, I was here when he got here in the late 70s. You know, I've seen the real Ted Lightner in action. That's you know, funny. but anyway, yeah, yeah, he definitely beat Darth Vader. You know, if he wants to argue with me, you know, bring him up. Let's do it. I uh, I don't know enough of the Star Wars guys to be able to give an answer. All right, last one from Instagram came from Mark, uh, and he wants to know if we think MLB could transition to a universal DH this season due to the delay. Uh, that is a very good question. It's a really, really good question because it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, that it, it seems like all bets could be off here in 2020. And with already sort of a, a sense of, I don't want to say trepidation, but a sense of concern over pitcher health, more from an arm standpoint, it would be probably mm -hmm. a fairly easy thing to say, hey, you know what, let's just do DHs across the board, you know, if and when this season gets going, just to try and simplify some things, perhaps reduce the risk a little bit of injury for pitchers. And uh, hey, you never know, if something gets put in temporarily, yeah, it, it could be a thing. And I'm, I'm not a DH guy. I don't think you're a DH guy, but I wouldn't be surprised at all. Hey, I, I would not be surprised at all. And you could transition that in you know, on a short season like this very easily into the National League, Jesse. And if you do, I think you'll see it the rest of our lives. In my yeah. opinion. Once, I, once I, they do that, it's in. Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. You know, that's definitely the way I'm, I'm thinking about this stuff. Um, you know, if we do have a kind of like a weird asterisky type season this year, which it looks like we will if we have a season, you know, those are the kinds of things that are going to be very interesting to talk about over the next couple of months, uh, what the games actually end up looking like, because they're going to be different. The schedule will be different. Uh, the, the Everything will be different. And some of that stuff will probably uh, last after the fact. So that is that. All right. I think we're going to uh, shut it down here. Uh, I think that's that's what we're going to do. Randy, always yes. a pleasure. Continue hey. to take care of yourself. Anytime, Jesse, I am. I'm just here at the ranch inside the gates. I'm going to stay right here until we get the, the cleared and if we're good to go. And uh, well, I'm, we'll all be excited. I look forward to it. Very much so. Me as well. Hope we don't have to do too many more of these with you, but we'll uh, continue to do them uh, as long as we can. Big thanks to RJ, Craig Stam, and also Ted Leitner. Sorry again about those technical difficulties, but we will certainly catch up with Uncle Teddy uh, sometime uh, in the near future. Thanks to everybody for the questions and for hanging out. Like we said, we'll do it again tomorrow at 530, trying to bring you a slice of normal as you take a look from Petco Park out towards uh, downtown San Diego. Stay safe, everybody. Wash your hands. Take care of yourselves. And we'll talk to you tomorrow at 530. Have a good night. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. 